that's what you and I have this great opportunity to do. We can take on the family likeness. We've got our Father, His Son, and His Holy Spirit, the Trinity. And it's in the Trinity that we have revival. We, in ourselves, we are revived. This week, today, listening to Jesus. That's what we're going to be looking at, listening to Jesus. Now, some might say to me, well, isn't that prayer? Isn't that what we're talking about? Well, uh, next week I'm actually going to talk about talking to Jesus. This week, we're going to... Well, next time we meet, not next week. Next time we meet. This week, though, we're talking about listening to Jesus. Now, I know that um, this is, of course, part of prayer. I, re- I realise that. But what I want us to consider this week is, before we open our mouths, we should be opening our ears. Before we open our mouths, we should be opening our ears. And I get that's how we should be praying. Um, it's been said we have two ears and one mouth, there should we, therefore we should be listening twice as much as we speak. That's a good way to put it. Maybe that's why we don't have two mouths. I mean, one gets me into enough problems without having two, but I need to have my ears open to what God is saying. Jesus said this many times. He who has ears to hear... Let him hear. And I mentioned it in our verses last week. When he says something like that, it's almost like you and I need to put in our radar. Well, okay, I've just got to stop, go back over what he's just said because he's pulling me up and he's going, Oi, did you hear me? Have you heard what I've just said? Listen in here. This is important. So this very thing that we're going to consider this morning is listening. Now, the word used in our English translations many of the times is hear, like this, this word we have up there. But when you take a closer look at the meaning behind Jesus' words, you see that he's talking far more about listening to the meaning that's behind the words. Okay? So as I'm preparing this sermon, the thought came to me, is there a difference between hearing and listening? Is there a difference between hearing and listening? And what I found is, yes, there is. Hearing, I don't know if you can see that, hearing is simply the act of perceiving sound by the ear. That's all it is. Now, I just got this, you know, how we hear. Sound waves enter your outer ear. They travel through the ear canal to your eardrum. Your eardrum vibrates with the incoming sound. It sends the vibrations to three tiny bones in your middle ear. The bones in your middle ear amplify the sound vibrations. They send them to your inner ear or the cochlea. The sound vibrates activate tiny hair cells in the inner ear, which in turn release neurochemical messages. And your auditory nerve carries this electrical signal to the brain, which translates it into sound that you can understand. Now, you're hearing me now, and all that is happening as we speak. There's another thing to be thankful for, eh, Sam? I mean, who would have thought that up? Only God. That is amazing that all that is happening right now. You don't even know it's happening. You just love it. You enjoy it. You're hearing me. You you get to party on in it. And you don't even recognize that that's happening. So, let me say, if a truck drives past outside and you hear it go over that speed bump and it goes crash, it's just a noisy rumble in the background. Now, you might even unconsciously even know it's a truck. But ultimately, you pay no attention to it. It's just another noise that's reached your ear. So we pick up all these things. And I guarantee there's some mums here which will hear a kid scream and go, is that mine? And you know the noise 
that's coming from the back. You have picked up this auditory sound. They might even call your name, might even call out mum, but you know that's your child. Subconsciously, you've picked this up. So this is the way that we perceive sound. So if you're not hearing impaired, hearing simply happens. It just simply happens. But listening, however, is different. It's something that you consciously make a choice to do. Listening requires concentration so that your brain processes meaning from what you're hearing. And in the end, this leads to some kind of an outcome, we hope, or a response. Listening is taking what you hear and practicing it, living it out. And it could be explained this way. Listening expands on hearing when we pay attention to the meaning of what we hear. Listening expands on the meaning of what we're hearing. So I've got a confession, as I do from the pulpit many times. At times throughout my day, Fiona might be speaking to me and I'm not really hearing her. Now, I don't know if this is a bloke thing. Maybe it is. Maybe it's just I'm caught up. I think we all at some level do it. The funny thing is, she'll be talking. I might nod. I might smile. Perhaps, you know, even respond with a, huh? But um, am I really listening? Well, mostly, likely, I'm not really listening. In fact, the other day, we're in the kitchen. Fiona's chopping up the vegetables. And I'm over the other side of the kitchen with my phone in my hand, always dangerous, and I'm against the fridge and she's talking and all of a sudden there's something that catches my eye on the phone and I'm looking at it and she's still talking and this is where I was as she's talking away and she just kept on talking and talking and all that's going on in the background, it was important conversation when it started, but all of a sudden my ears, when I listened, picked up that the vegetables were fighting with each other and the mushrooms were killing the tomatoes and there was this big war that was going on. And I looked up and she knew I was not listening to her and she's just going on with this story about the vegetables. And so in the background, I'm hearing this noise and all of a sudden my brain clicked in and went, what is she going on about? And when I looked up, she just looked at me and went, you're not listening to me. <laughs> I got me, you got me. How's the war going with the veggies? <laughs> Look, listening actually requires that I'm receptive to the meaning of Fiona's words. That I, and, and I in a very real way, enter into the experience that these words are meant to convey. That's what listening is. It's no longer just about sound but it's about the thoughts, the feelings, the point of view, the expectations, the memories, the sensations, the beliefs. It's the whole of the other person when you engage in listening, isn't it? Or at least as much as the whole that's available at that present point of time. There's nothing more frustrating when you're talking to the children and they're not listening to you, which is probably how Fiona feels when I'm not listening to her. In fact, Fiona might say... You're hard of hearing. You're hard of hearing. I don't know if your wives say that to your husbands or to your children. I don't think I am hard of hearing. You know, to be honest, I think I'm more hard of listening. Because I hear it. I just don't listen. Now, that's not a good thing to bring up when she says I'm hard of hearing. I don't want to go there at that point of time. That's the conversation we have at another time. 
but I think it's more that I am hard of listening, which, you know, I then have to apologise for and which I think most people at some time are probably all guilty of and I know I'm more guilty of it when TV and sport are on. Because when TV and sport come together, I kind of tune out many of the times. And I don't listen to what's being said around me. You see, listening is not automatic. This is where I'm going with this. Listening is not automatic. It takes practice. It takes intention. It takes focus. The most important quality of listening is that you allow yourself to step aside and be mindful of the other person's intent. You see, I have to engage with the other person to be listening. Where hearing is just done automatically around us. Now, I know when I truly listen to Fiona, then I reap the rewards, both in the immediate and in the long term, because I get it right and things are all good, or whatever we're going to do, or whatever we're going to eat, or whatever. And when I listen, I engage both in her desires and mine, and the outcome of that is that it brings us closer together, and therefore it causes us to have a stronger relationship. And that's what marriage is all about. And that's good communication. So another thing, when I do marriage counselling, we talk about how we listen well. We do a little exercise on listening, and we bring the couple together to practice this. And this is what God desires for us in our relationship with Him. This is what He wants when, he tru- when we truly engage in listening to Him. Jesus invites us to listen. He wants to engage your mind in the relationship that you have with him. But I believe it consists of more than just using our physical ears. More than just our physical ears. I believe it concerns what I'm going to call and what many people call our spiritual ears. Our spiritual ears must engage as well. Now, you might ask, you know, where do I find them? (laughs) Well, I can't actually give you a verse for that, okay? There's no verse talking about your spiritual ears. But I can take you to many verses where if you listen to God, you will pick up what he's saying, okay? And it's these spiritual ears of ours that need to be listening to his voice that speaks to our heart and engages us to move forward. So, I want to show you some verses okay and here is a discussion between Jesus and his disciples and it's all about listening so it's good verses to look at let me just give you a little bit of a a preempt of where we're going it's Jesus has just told them the disciples about the parable of the sower you know the parable of the sower the sower goes out with seed he throws it out some falls onto the path birds come take it away others uh, fall under the, onto the, just to the side of the path, but when the sun comes out, all shrizzles up and dies. Some falls into the good soil, or into soil, but the weeds grow up, choke it out over a period of time, it's gone. And then some falls into the good soil, and it produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. That's the story of the sower. And then these verses occur after. This is what comes from this. Jesus says in verse 9, He who has ears, let him hear. So he tells this parable, and he says, he who has ears, let him hear. So we go, okay, I've got to pick up on this. What's he talking about? And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you 
to disciples. It's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it's not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. That's the whole listening side of it. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says this. So we're going back to Isaiah. Jesus quotes from the Old Testament. You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but you'll never perceive. And then he says, for these people's hearts have grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear. And their eyes, they are closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart in turn. And then I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Now, that's, that's quite a, a long reading, and you're probably going, what is going on there? But you see, they got stuck. The disciples got stuck with the understanding of why are you telling so many stories? Why are you telling these parables? And Jesus explains it right there. Now, I want to show you um, a video clip, okay? Um, I want you to watch it. I want you to try and understand. It's going to explain to us a little bit about parables. Now, there's, I, I've got a bit of a disclaimer here. It's really fast. So you're going to have to listen to it really carefully. And um, he uses, like, dad jokes, okay? So there's a lot of just joking in it as well. He's trying to make it something serious. At funny at the same time, I think, okay? It's called Let Him Hear. You can go home, you can get it on YouTube if you need to listen to it again. So I'm going to ask Ben, can you put that up for us, mate? Where to start? I got it. Two Texans walk into a saloon. No, that doesn't work. It's more of a joke. Parables, what are they? Spiritual lessons, not completely. Metaphors, well, kind of. Mind games, close but not really. Stories with deeper meanings, nah. Vantage points, perspectives, clever illustrations, sort of, kind of, no. Riddles, huh. So I was going to say knives. I met a man with seven wives, each wife, nah. Well, it's closer, but it still ain't the whole enchilada. Oy. The dictionary calls them simple stories used to illustrate a moral, spiritual lesson as told by Jesus in the Gospels. Well, that's wrong. But maybe I should be asking a different question altogether. Maybe we don't need to define what a parable is as much as discover why Jesus used them. So, put on your Sunday school hats and let's take a time rocket back to when Jesus walked the earth, shall we? Nice. Now put down your double espresso chai latte, sit up in your chair, and try to keep up with me if you can. Let's peek into Matthew and get a brief history of chapters 3 through 12. And when I say brief, I mean brief. John baptizes Jesus, the dove descends, his ministry begins, he's taken up a mountain, tempted by Satan, and he chooses his disciples. Here begins the amazing teaching chapters. Pretty clear, pretty straightforward. The Beatitudes, the Lord's Prayer, watch out for false prophets, don't worry, go through the narrow gate, build your house on the rock, pray for your enemies, deep stuff, mind-boggling teaching. Now, enter the Pharisees. Testing Jesus, hoping to trip him up, fearing him. Moving forward, Jesus hangs out with his disciples. He gives them power to do great wonders. He tells people to take his yoke, for it's easy and his burden is light. And this slams us full speed right into the heart of chapter 12. The beginning of the day, the Pharisees attack Jesus for picking grain and feeding the disciples. Next, Jesus goes to the synagogue and heals a man, and the Pharisees don't like that either. And then he frees a demon-possessed man, and this really ticks him off. But here's where it all gets out of control. The Pharisees cross a line, a line that they never should have, by saying that Jesus cast out the demon through the power of Beelzebub. They actually ascribe the power of the Holy Spirit to the power of the devil, and that's a no-no, people, and that's where everything changes. 
soon beginneth the parable speak. The straight, clear, and amazing teaching of Jesus switches to talking in parables. As a matter of fact, Matthew tells us that once he starts speaking in parables, that he doesn't say anything to them without using a parable. You don't believe me? Read it for yourself in Matthew chapter 13. But you find the verse. This isn't a sit back and have everything spoon-fed to you, church. you got to bench press the word every now and then, people, okay? Anyway, the point is he switched gears. He changed tactics. He kicked a Porsche in the fifth, if you know what I mean. You want to know why? Of course you do. That's why you're here. Part of it's prophecy. Psalm 78.2 says, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things. Interesting. Hidden things. Parables. Already they're different than we first expected. Hey, the disciples asked Jesus why he spoke in parables. Here's what he said. I'll put it in red so you know it's authentic. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Sound strange? Sound like double talk? Well, a name is the kicker. You get truth and you handle it right, you get more. You get truth and you reject it, even what you have is yanked away. Hey. So back to the happy lesson. What did most of the people, including the Pharisees, do with the clear truth of what Jesus taught and the miracles they saw with their own eyes? Remember, you hear teaching, you see miracles. That'll make sense in a second, I promise. Now, just when you thought it was safe to tell stories, Jesus hurls this one at him. And this settles the perplexing parable problem permanently, people. This is why I speak to them in parables, he says. Though seeing, they do not see, and hearing, they do not understand. That's Isaiah 6, folks. Words which don't conjure up colorful Pixarian visuals, if you know what I mean. The point is, the hearts of the people became calloused. They hardly hear with their ears anymore, and they have closed their eyes. And there it is, harsh stuff. They heard Jesus, but didn't really pay attention. They saw his miracles and closed their eyes. They didn't believe. And now instead of the simple, straightforward teaching of chapters 3 through 12, what the crowds get are parables. Maybe so that those who are led by the Spirit will understand, and those who aren't won't. Those who seek will find. Hmm. Perhaps Jesus is no longer casting pearls before swine. I don't know. Perhaps it's grace, because if they understood and rejected him, it would be far worse than if they didn't understand at all. Then again, it could just be an ancient game of Scrabble, and Jesus just placed an X on the triple-letter, triple-word score, and the Pharisees are reaching in the black bag of legalism, hoping to find a blank just to stay in the game. Who knows? You read. You decide. Whatever's going on, we've discovered parables are a lot more than meets the eye. But perhaps the most important statement is crystal clear right there in the text for all of us to see, right there in Matthew 13, 9. He who has ears, let him hear. Could you keep up? You're going, I've got to go home and look at that on YouTube, don't you? I've got to, I'm trying to understand that, yeah. Now, you, you see, he tells the parable, kicks it off in 13, and then he just keeps going on with parables after that. And the people go, I don't get it. The people who say, I don't get it, but want to get it, will go after it. You see? They go after it. The, parable, the Pharisees, they just go, I don't get it. You're of Beelzebub. They don't want to go after the truth. They don't believe he is the truth, for a start. So he gives them the parable of the sower. Then he, they ask him, what are you talking parables? He explains it to them. And then, he, and then they say, so can you explain to us the parable? <laughs> so it's one of the few places we actually get. Jesus breaks it down. He says, okay, I'll tell you what the sower is all about. And he says, there's a sower that goes out and sows the seed. And the seed is the word of God, he tells us. And that's being thrown out to the people. God's word is going out. And it goes out. Some of it falls on hard hearts. The devil comes along, takes it away. See, you're going to hear this word, and some people will go, I don't need this. And they're gone. It hasn't penetrated their heart at all. Some seed falls on the, the ground. And, and, and the, uh, um, the birds come, uh, sorry, what is it? The birds come along and, and eat it up. Some falls on the, the soil, and, and, and it's, uh, it, 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 the weeds grow with it. So, you know, the word's there, but it gets strangled out. And then some falls on good. The seed falls on the heart and it grows and grows and grows. And he's saying, those are the ones that are listening to me. 
the ones that are hearing what I'm saying. And this is the invitation that he draws us into. He's saying, what's your heart like? What are you listening to? Are you allowing my word produce what it wants to in your heart? And that's the invitation he invites us into. So Jesus, uh, is that it? What did I go back? Yeah. Jesus taught in parables because of two reasons. Because of the inactivity of the people, we saw in verses 10 to 17, but also because it was prophesied. And he mentioned that in verse 78, verse 2, which Matthew actually tells us in uh, verses 34 and 35. Jesus didn't teach in parables to confuse or condemn the people. And when you read that, you kind of go, isn't that what he's saying? No, he's not. He's not there to confuse or condemn the people. But rather, he wanted to excite their interests and arouse their curiosity to what he was doing around them. He wanted to engage them. He wanted them not just to hear him, he wanted them to truly listen and respond to him. Now, I'm going to read to you from the message. Some people don't like the message version, but I think this is how I would say it. It's the same verses, Matthew 13. The disciples came up and asked why do you tell stories? And he replied, well, you've been right. You've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. But not everybody has this gift, this insight. It hasn't been given to them. Whenever somebody has a ready heart for this, the insights and the understandings flow freely. But if there's no readiness, any trace of receptivity, it soon disappears. And that's why I tell stories, to create readiness to nudge the people towards receptive insight. In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it. They listen till they're blue in the face and they not get it. I don't want Isaiah's forecast repeated all over again. See, that's what was happening when Isaiah's preaching. He's preaching the word and no one's listening. They just hear the words, blah, blah, blah. The prophet's saying, yeah, whatever. He's going, no, those who truly listen to me will go after the truth. And that's the invitation that you and I get in listening to Jesus. So what is this truth? You see, Jesus is saying, as believers, as his followers, and with the Holy Spirit indwelling you, God's insight and understanding can flow freely to you. You can know the truth. It flows to us. God is making a resonance within you. We have to make sure that we are listening to that resonance. And therefore, when he says, he who has ears, let him hear, we can. We can hear God talking to us within us. We can really listen to what God wants us to hear. And that's the invitation to all who walk with him. But like my illustration before, when I was talking about um, how I communicate with Fiona, at some point... I have to move beyond just hearing and really listen. I have to move beyond that. And that's the activity that I'm invited into in my relationship with Fiona. To do this, to move beyond just hearing. And isn't that, that was the problem of the Pharisees, wasn't it? That's where they were caught. They were just hearing words, 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 words of Jesus. Also seeing amazing miracles. But they never got past just hearing hearing the words they heard jesus but they didn't listen to him you see you and i have to be ready to listen and i believe that involves every moment of the day i believe listening to god and i do believe this is a 24 hour a day experience a 24 hour a day experience listening is not contained to your bible reading time 
or your prayer time or your devotion time or your quiet time. It's not even just when you're in church, which might be the time you actually turn off when someone's preaching. Yeah, I don't know. It's a nice place to sit. It's not just those times. I believe God speaks to us outside of those times just as much as when you're having those times. But we are invited to listen to Jesus all throughout our day. The Holy Spirit never leaves us. That's Old Testament teaching. He would come and go. In the New Testament, he comes, indwells. He has the perfect vessel to live in, which has been paid for through the death and resurrection of Christ. He can indwell us and he will talk to us. He will speak to us. We have to be listening. Here's a verse. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear his voice. Do you? Are you one of Christ's flock? I mean, the shepherd lets them out in the morning, the sheep, when he walks out onto the, onto the open land. And he talks to the sheep. Follow me. Come back. Be corrected. Don't go over there. Come over here. Let's go to the waterhole. I mean, this is the conversation he's got with his little flock of sheep. He's constantly communicating with them. He's tapping them on the back with, their, with his little um, stick and he's driving them and moving them. That's the conversation. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Again, wherever is, whoever is of God hears the words of God. Jesus said that again. I believe Jesus invites us into this relationship with him to engage at every level of our day. I believe in the seconds as well as in the hours. That's how much we should be listening. He reveals himself to us through the scriptures. He speaks to us through the indwelling Holy Spirit and he asks us to listen to him and to live it out throughout our day. To do this, you might like to consider two things though, okay? How do we actually live this out? And this will help us to move forward in achieving this. I, I, I think this is the get real and take action part, Okay? This is how you actually get to practice listening. The first is this. I think we need to turn down the noise of this world. Turn down the noise of this world. Now, I think this is about the third week in the row I've said this. But it's so true. It's so true. I think it's one of the ploys of the enemy. Keep them so occupied with noise, they don't hear God. You don't get time to listen. There's too much going on. Now... To say this, I realise that it's easier said than done because we're constantly bombarded with noise that's all around us. And if it's not from the things that actually require our attention, like your workplace, when you're there, you've got to be focused listening there, or your children, their desires, your family, your relationships that you have with people, then it's from other things, isn't it? It's from the radios that are on, or the TVs in the background, the internet, your mobile, it's constantly dinging. Because someone sent you a new Facebook update or something. There's something going on, isn't it? And even that, there's all the billboards and the advertising that you drive past. They're constantly speaking loudly to you. You need this. You need to do this. You need to go there. We're bombarded with words, phrases, texts, videos and stimulus that constantly restricts us from listening. It restricts us. And what you need to seek out in your day are those, what I call... Islands of silence, islands of silence that might exist around you, but you've maybe just not noticed them enough. They are there. Maybe you need to turn off the radio in your car or the CD player or whatever it is you're listening to, your iPod. I know that is a place 
that I can just get and listen to God. The quietness of driving. Or maybe you need to stay under the shower that little bit extra. It's another place I find when the water's over my head, I am in talking to God. Nothing else. I can't hear anything else going on. So maybe these kind of places, these islands of silence exist in your life and you need to know how to um, step into those. Maybe it is just moving away from the distractions, out into the open and allowing your spiritual ears to listen to God. Turn not the radio off in the car. But I think there's even a clearer way to listen to God, even while the noise um, rages around you, and it's this one. Realise that God is all around you. Now, this is not some new age kind of, you know, I'm not going into all of that, that God is everything and God's in everything and all that. But God is all around you. The Word teaches us that. In fact, you know what the psalmist says? If God was to remove his hand from the world, we would cease to exist. If God was willing, if God was to remove his presence from this world, we'd stop existing. So God is everywhere, keeping this planet of ours in the orbit and doing everything that it does. Now, this might sound simplistic. When the reality of our day becomes engulfed by the fact that God is everywhere, then I think something does shift within us. When you recognize that God is everywhere, you change. You change. Once you fully realize that God is here and you become convinced of it, your heart hungers to find him. Once your appetite is wet, your desire to find God is much different, um, more, much different more than just like, I'm looking for my car keys. You don't just go after God like you're looking for your car keys. You actually start to engage with God going, what is it that you want? What is it that you're inviting me into? And what I've found myself really desiring is this intimacy with God. I want to know him more. I, I'm not alone in life. That's a wonderful experience to realize that, that God is here with me. I want to be connected with God. How is God here? Well, God made the whole world. We know that. He gave life to each and every one of us who live in it. God's made us with a purpose to, to, uh, to fulfill. He has it all there for us. And that should be um, you know, our delight to be in relationship with him. That's, that's our purpose, to be in relationship with him. With him forever. God does not need us. He's God. He can exist very well without you. He can exist in and of himself where you and I need people. We need relationship. We can't live without relationship. Well, God doesn't need that. But God desires you to come to him and to have relationship with him. And doesn't relationship require conversation? Talking, which we'll look at next week, but listening. And I think we start listening before we start talking. You see, by sending his son to die on the cross... Paying the price of our sin, he's made it possible for us to enter back into this presence of his that he has. He then places himself, that being the Holy Spirit in us, and he allows us to communicate and to listen to him. So we're no longer looking for or trying to connect with God who is distant or a God who's indifferent. God has made it possible to passionately engage in the fullness of life 
that we were created for. I'm going to say it again. God has made it possible to passionately engage in the fullness of life that we were created for. Deep within, I believe all of us seek God and God's love. And he's always pursuing, God is always pursuing intimacy with you. Always. That's why you're here. And it can become as simple as this. A sense of absence vanishes when I'm open to a sense of his presence. Have you experienced that? That's what he invites us into. A sense of absence vanishes when I'm open to a sense of his presence. Isn't that what Catherine just shared in, before she got down? In through worship. All of a sudden you experience the sense of his presence. And she was uplifted and engaged in this relationship that God has invited her into. Then I can move forward in this purpose that he has for me. You know, I was in life group last Wednesday. Where's Mrs. Green? Mrs. Green in the room? Okay, good. She can't hear me. Um, We were in life group the other day on Wednesday morning. And we were talking about the study that we looked at last week. And we were talking about prayer. And she said, yeah, and I pray for parking spots when she's driving the car. Now, anyone else pray for parking spots? Okay. You know what? I found this question can actually polarise a church. Some people go, yes, we can, we can clam it. And others go, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's a funny thing. It is a funny thing. So hopefully Mrs. Green does and she gets it. So we were having this conversation. God says, pray about everything. We do. I ask for a spot and he gives me a spot. That's wonderful. But my challenge is this and my challenge to the life group was this. Is there a reason why God gave you the spot? Is there a reason? Now, there might not be. He just wants to bless you. Here's a parking spot. Have it. But why is he blessing you and not blessing the other person that's going, please give me a buck? What happens when two Christians are praying the same one and there's only one spot? <laughs> Where does God go with that? Don't ask that question. We can do that one in heaven when I talk to him there. But here's the challenge, isn't it? Is there a reason why God gave you that spot? So I challenged Mrs. Green. I said, look around you. When you get that spot, get out of the car, look around. Is this someone God wants you to talk to? Is this someone, yeah, did he give you the spot because he wanted you quickly to get into wherever you're going, into the shop, because there's someone walking out that door he wants you to bump into and have a talk with? See, it's not just about the spot. It's what God wants to talk to you about. Okay? That's what it is. And it's like that with everything we do when we recognize the presence of God in our life. I've got a, an illustration like this in my own, you know. Um, I, was cook I lived in uh, Cronulla, in a unit in Cronulla. And I was only one block back from the main street. IGA's in the main street. And I'm cooking dinner. There's only, this is when I was single. And uh, I was doing some kind of a sauce, I think. I needed milk anyway. And I went, no milk. It's six o'clock. Oh, I've got to go down the shop. Now, you know, I, I only have to walk five minutes to the shop. Oh, but why do I have to go? Why couldn't I have milk? And I'm complaining. Get the money, lock the door, walk down to the shop, walk up to the back of IGA, get the milk, come down the front. There's two people in front of me, only one open, one, one checkout open. And the man who's at the checkout is a man off the street. He's dirty, he's ragged, smells a bit, and he's counting out his five and ten cent coins. 
He needed about $1.56 to buy what he had. The lady in, in front of me and then there was me. And as he's counting, I turned around and there's probably about eight people behind us now. And everyone's going, come on, come on. And he's counting it out. And he gets to um, $1.36 and that's the end of the money. And he's then counts it again. You know, and I'm looking at him going, it's 20 cents. So I reached in my pocket. I went around and said to the, the checkout girl, I said, here's the 20 cents. Let him go. And of course, he looks at me and, 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 and the girl looks at me and, and, and I said, it's only 20 cents. Come on, that's okay. Let the guy have what he wants because the checkout girl wasn't going to give it to him. And I stepped back into line. The girl in front of me, the lady in front of me turns around and goes, that was a beautiful thing. Really? I was only 20 cents. The lady behind me goes, wow, that was really kind of you. It never occurred to them to give 20 cents. And so he got his thing. He walked home. She gets served. I got served. And I'm walking home. And all of a sudden, this came to my head. And this is the Spirit speaking to me. He says, Ken, it's not about the milk. It's not about the milk. That's the only words. I love it how God does talk to me. It's always in just a few words. Because, you know, it's not about the milk. It's about what you do. You see, you, you think, oh, I'm running late. I'm running. Now, it was just an oversight of me not to have milk. But God says, I can use that because I need you in IGA. I need you to be at that point to help this man to let these people to see, to let him go. And you see, it's bigger than just the bottle of milk. That's what we must be listening to in our lives. And this is the conversation that we can have with God. This is the opportunity. We need to ask him, is there someone we can talk to? Is there something he wants us to do? We need to listen to his voice. You know, it's funny, I hear people say, let's invite God into our presence. You hear that? Now, I actually, there are songs that say that, and I think, oh, that's wrong theology. Although I say, we call the presence of God down. You don't call him down. His presence everywhere. I just need to recognize it. I just need to realize that that's his presence is everywhere. His presence is here. He not so much has to be found, he has to be acknowledged. That's my role. That's the stepping into it that I need to do. He doesn't need to be invited, he needs to be realized. How do you find God in the busyness of your day? Well, it starts by owning up to him being there. Around you, in you, forming your every breath, revealed in the every opening of your eyelid blink, holding your every heartbeat in his hand, listening to and acknowledging every thought that is composed within your mind. God misses nothing. God misses nothing that you're thinking about. So open your spiritual eyes and your spiritual heart. Listen with your spiritual ears. Glimpse his fingerprints that are on your life. And see him working in you. Respond to his invitation. Engage in his conversation. Listen to his voice. Let go of the flesh and take notice of the transcendent. Don't compartmentalize or segregate him in your life. Let him fill you, overflow through you and respond to his voice when he speaks to you. That's what he draws us into. Isn't that the relationship we do on earth with our partners? How much greater is it when we do it with our God? 
Do you want to know why? Because whatever task you choose to do, at any given moment of your day, you will do it better if you include God in it. If you include God in it, you will do better. Do you want to know why that is? For when you remain aware of God's presence, it doesn't compete with your attention to other things, it enhances it. I'm going to say that again, let that sink in. When you remain aware of God's presence, it doesn't compete with your attention to other things, it enhances it. And I'm sure deep down in each one of you you're going, that's what I want in my walk with God. That's what he's saying, it's all yours. Step into it. Do you know what the real challenge for me is in living like this is though? And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to live like this. It's this. It's not an acknowledging of him. I believe he's there. You know, I've done that for 35 years as a Christian. That's, that's fine. It's in remembering to acknowledge him. That's my struggle. Because Ken Woolley has done it long enough to do his own thing his way by himself in his own strength. Where God's going, no, please, bring me into it. And I've got to go, okay, it's not about me. It's about God. It's remembering. That's the hard part. But what I'm learning is that as I embrace this discipline, then I become released from the prison of self-preoccupation and I awaken to the beauty and the joy of who God really is. Let me close with some words from uh, Dallas Willard. Um, Dallas Willard is not with us nowadays. He died a couple of years ago. But he, he makes this great comment in his book on disciplines. He says, oh, sorry, there's that. Go to the next one. Do you know how God talks to you? Are you familiar with his voice and the manners with which he communicates with you? If you aren't, you are depriving yourself of one of the greatest benefits he gives to us as believers. And we're really wasting one of the primary reasons that he places his Holy Spirit in us. It's a challenge, isn't it? Hearing God may be a daring idea. Some would say presumptuous and even dangerous. But is it not in fact more presumptuous and dangerous to undertake human existence without hearing God? And he means by listening. My hope is that hearing God will leave you with a clear sense of how to live confidently in a personal walk that is complemented by an ongoing conversational relationship with God. So, take action. Here's the challenge of today. Are you listening to God? Turn down the noise of this world, realise that God's all around you, and ask Him what He wants you to do, and then listen to His response. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You. And that comes off our lips often too quickly. We're brought into this world, we're born into this world, and from that moment we kind of seek to go our own way. And Lord, for some, we actually call out to you. But even when we call out to you and we have our lives changed and your spirit lives within us, we still fall into that trap of going our own way. We need that broken down. And I pray for each and every one of us this morning that we would learn what it means to know your presence around us, to be engaged in the conversation. So when we talk to you, 
when we're led by you, when we're moved in areas, we will know what you are doing this for and that we will be listening to you. Holy Spirit, reveal this truth so that we might walk in it and be more of who you want us to be. Can I just keep your eyes closed? Can I just, if you don't know, if there's people in this room who do not know what I've been talking about, if you don't know this God that I'm talking about, while everyone's got their eyes closed and their heads bowed, if you'd like to put up your hand, I'd like to pray for you. If you'd like more, if you'd like me to pray. Because the opportunity is for everyone to have this. God is open to all. Father God, we thank you for what you give us. We thank you for your indwelling spirit. May we know you more. Help us to get real and take the action that changes us into more of your image, that we might glorify your name and experience the life you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask the band.